to speak about the favor of God. The favor of God that overcomes our past. The favor of God. The favor of God that is stronger than your past, than my past. If you think of the dynamic of our lives, everything in this life is very much connected. Thanks. It's on now. I can hear. Thanks, Armand. Well done. Um, everything in this life is subjected to time. Maturity, growing, everything that we do in life is connected to time. In fact, if you tell any, everybody's story, it's always connected to a specific time. In fact, in physics, I remember when I was, when I was studying physics in high school, they, they used to say that time is one of, one of the fundamental values from which many other values derive from. So time is very critical. Solomon says that there is time for everything. So, now when you think of time in the dynamics of our lives, if you study any, any person's life, you actually see that there is three important parts of every person's life that we read through in scriptures, or even in our own lives. There is three major parts that we can't escape from. The first one is the past, the present, and the future. So, and if you compare the three, there is one that tends to have very much advantage than the other. Why? Because it has already been lived. I'm referring to the past. The past has already been lived. While the present is still being lived, and the future has to be lived. So, therefore, the, the past seems to have even almost like having a birthright over the present and the future. Now, the reality is that the way we function and the way God has made us, we, are, we have a mind. And our mind is so powerful because our mind has two major capacities or abilities. First of all, through our mind, we are able to remember. We have a memory. And secondly, through our mind, we are able to imagine. We are able to think. But now, the past and the present and the future, they have a lot of ability or potential to be able to either increase or either impact positively our ability to, to think, to imagine, or either occupy our memory or our remembrance ability with things that would either build us up or things that would destroy us. Because when you now, the, the, the context of my sermon is about the favor that overcomes the past. A favor of God that is more powerful than the past. So now, when you think of your past, there is three points that are very crucial. First of all, your origin. 
Your origin speaks of where you come from, the environment that you come from, your family, your friends, your culture, your tradition, your ethnic group. I don't want to use the word race. Or in, in the secular world, you may use the word race. In fact, when people apply to universities, sometimes they still want to check where you come from, your origin. But not only your origin, the second point that's very important is the people. People you have made. Your family members, your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, friends, neighbors, people you've learned from, from, from a TV, all of them have had to some extent an influence. I was watching a, a, a thing on, on YouTube about something that's happening in Congo. There is this phenomenon which they're calling, they call it youth, or in Swahili it's called Ujana. Basically, a lot of girls in the capital are, are, have a tendency of dressing like Rihanna, Rihanna, the American artist. So, and, or, and Beyonce, so a lot of them, they almost dress in a, a little bit inappropriate, which is very weird according to the culture there. So there is a certain kind of trend. So even though she, she has never been in Congo, there is already a group of a generation that is still under influence, all right? And the third thing, a third point that has also a much impact when we think of our past is events, things that have happened. It could be a birthday party, it could be the morning someone died, or it could be anything. All of these events plays a massive role in terms of what is busy occupying our memory, our mind. Because all of these three things have so much impact in terms of what is in our heads and, again, our ability to think. In fact, this, these things apply to everyone, to non-believers and to even to believers. And in fact, what the reason I'm mentioning this is that, you know, for the little time that I grew up in church, for the little time that I've been Christian, I see, I can, I'm still seeing Christians that are born again, spirit-filled, praying in tongues, prophesying and everything, but that are still, when I look at them, I can still see that they still act as victim of their past. But the good news, what I believe is, Jesus in Revelations says to John, he says to him that, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, I am the beginning, I am the end. In other words, when Jesus says he's the Alpha, I do believe it is, that is not referring to a, very, to a very specific starting point. I believe it's a starting point which does not necessarily, having, which does not necessarily have a starting point. And which, when he says he's Omega, it's, it's almost an end which does not have an end because he's everlasting. In fact, Christ, I believe what Christ is saying is that he is the creator. History is about him. He is the one who made history. In fact, the scripture says that all things were created through him and for him. So he is the, the storyteller of the whole entire narrative 
of our lives. So time began in Genesis 1 verse 14 when God created the stars, when God created the lights. Bible speaks about lights that had to govern during the day and lights that had to govern during the night. Referring to the sun and the moon and the stars. That's when time began. Alright, so now I'm going to use an example of, of a group of people in the scriptures that experienced the favor of God, but still had an issue, but still struggle with their past. I'm going to start from there. So I'm going to, to give an example of the Israelites, and Aaron was one of the leaders, and we are going to see the thing that God said, things that happened, and how they reacted, right? That will be the first part of this sermon. So I would like to get a few volunteers that will read the Bible for me, all right? That would be amazing. So just to get some kind of background, Exodus chapter 1, verse 13 up to 14. You will, you need to read on the mic. I will give you the mic. Okay, cool. Just listen, please, carefully. It's the radio. Exodus chapter 1, verse 13. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Did you hear? Did you hear? Did everyone hear what he read about? Okay, is it clear? They were suffering. There was a pharaoh. Remember the story of the Israelites does not start there. The story of the Israelites starts with Joseph in Egypt. So, during the time of Joseph, they were not slaves. They were, having, they had, they were actually living in the prime land of Israel, uh, of, in Egypt. When goes then they were, they were prosperous for many years. And then, later on came a pharaoh for one of the kings that did not know Joseph. And then people started complaining about them prospering and growing and stuff. And they said, well, let us put a persecution up. We let us start persecuting these people because they are becoming stronger and stronger. And then they started, they started enslaving them. So they started living as slaves. Next scripture to read, Exodus 4, verse 27 up to 31. Please listen carefully to how we're going to flow from the scriptures. Next reader. Oh, you're very far, Nolotando. Um, Exodus 4, verse 27 to 31. The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the desert to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say. And also about all the miraculous signs he had commanded him to perform. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites. And Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people. And they believed. And when they heard about the... And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. 
This is when Aaron, I mean Moses was with God, he had this encounter and God spoke to Moses and said, well, um, I'm going to deliver my people, I've seen the suffering, I'm going to intervene. And Moses is saying, well, God, I don't know how to speak. And in that whole discussion, the Lord said, well, there is Aaron there, and I'm going to use Aaron. You're going to be like God for him, and like he's going to, you're going to be like God for him, and he's going to be like a prophet for you. So I'll, you will be my mouth, and Aaron will be your mouth. And then God said, I'm going to speak to him. So now Moses is on his way back to Egypt. He's in the wilderness. Then the scripture says the Lord spoke to Aaron and said to him, go and meet Moses. All right? Now what is interesting is that when you read the Exodus, there isn't any single place where the scripture says Aaron uh, had this encounter of God. I don't necessarily know much about when did he really get to know about God. I don't know if that was the very first time ever that God spoke to him. But perhaps he had a relationship because there was, a, there was always a, a legacy through that generation um, that came from Joseph's family. But that's not what I'm discussing now. But what I'm saying is, God spoke to him, and he was on, his, on the way, and in the wilderness, he met Moses. Moses told him everything that God was saying about the promises. Moses kissed him and everything, and then they had to go back to, when he got, when he got back to Egypt, got all the elders together, they met, and then they started worshiping. They worshiped God, because they believed God was about to deliver them. All right? Cool. So now, let's go to Exodus 32. From verse 2 up to 8. Okay, is there someone? I see you guys are ready there. Are you ready? King James Version. Speak, thus speak. Okay. And, uh, sorry, 2 to? 32 verse. 32. Okay. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, um, of your sons and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up over the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. to. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. I think that's funny. Because Aaron was this man of God that God spoke to. He was the first person that ever heard from Moses about what God was about to do. In Egypt. In fact, he was there when Moses was speaking to Pharaoh. He witnessed all the miracles. He witnessed everything. He witnessed the miracle of the Red Sea. He witnessed so many things. The cloud of glory walking with them through the day. And even the pillar of fire at night. But now, he's finding himself in this particular context. In fact, when you read... In chapter 32, when God spoke to Moses about going to Mount Sinai, the Lord said to Moses to take up Aaron with him. But now when you read through the whole story, you, you actually see it starts by the Lord speaking to Moses 
Armand and I about the tabernacle, how we had to build, God giving the laws and everything. There is nothing mentioning Aaron being on the mountain, even though that was an instruction given. But what you see as, as, as you read the entire chapter, what you will find is you will find the scripture on this particular portion mentions the people coming to Aaron and said, well, Moses have taken so long the mountain. We don't know what happened to him. Let us set up an altar. Let's do this. Let's get some golden thing. Let's start worshiping. Now, what is, it, what is weird is that they started worshiping that idol as Yahweh. They started mentioning it as if that was the God who delivered them, who took them out of Egypt. In other words, they were worshiping God. The, the, the thing that I, 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 you will ask yourself, where did they get that reference from, worshiping in that way? Because that was not the pattern of worship that God ever gave to them. Even though the law was not given yet to them. Why wouldn't they worship as Moses did? The only difference is this. Moses was on the mountain. They were away from the mountain. So they, Moses, in fact, when God gave him the, 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 the revelation about the tabernacle, God said, you shall build according to the pattern I will show you. So they started worshiping God, but following the patterns of Egyptians. We know why. Because Egypt was their past. Even in their worship, they were still stuck in the fashion of where they came from. One of the struggles today in the church is that many times we worship God, but we do not worship God according to that which has been revealed on the mountain of the Lord. We worship God the way our culture has taught us to worship. Not the way scriptures teaches us what it means to worship. So the challenge that I'm already trying to, to throw there is that we have to be careful. We have to pay attention. Because it is very easy for us to follow the Egypt, the Egyptians' pattern. They were out of Egypt. But Egypt wasn't out of them. And Egypt almost impacted, influenced the way, their way of worshiping, even though they were thinking they were worshiping God. And Aaron, this man that heard from God, facilitated the whole thing. Because he wasn't on the mountain of God. If you read in Numbers, Numbers 11, verse 4, up to verse 5, Numbers 11, verse 4, verse 5. Let's look at the Israelite reaction on that particular scripture. Um, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell, fell a lusting. Among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. What was the first verse that I asked? It was in Exodus 1. What does it say? They were slaves. They were slaves. But right here on this scripture, they are saying it costed them nothing. 
You know why? They were stuck in the past. Therefore, it affected their ability to imagine this land, this Canaan land. They were between their past and the future. They were right in the middle. Now, instead of thinking, instead of planning with God, instead of getting excited about where God was taking them, they started thinking about the food. Their appetite was still an appetite connected to the past. Very interesting. They even started thinking about onions. and garlic. <laughs> this tells you how much there was a need. They were still thinking as slaves while they had to go and inherit the lands as kings. And that is why it was very difficult for them. But why? Because they were still enslaved by their past. But what is the favor that overcomes the past? The question is, how can we overcome? How can we have victory over the control of our past. That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. And I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to propose a few things that I do believe are very crucial for us to understand that through Christ Jesus, we can actually overcome our past. The first thing, let's read Jeremiah 1, verse 5. I so love the scripture. Louis, your voice now. Oh, wow. I guess I don't have to read now. <laughs> Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. What is powerful in this scripture? God is coming to Jeremiah found Jeremiah in a context of people that have what we were struggling with idolatry and everything. And he comes and found this young man. He's calling him to be his voice for this nation. Alright? Now God says to him that before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. What is my answer to the question I asked? The first answer that I would give is we need to walk in the revelation of eternity. You know why? Because your past didn't start the day you were born. The Bible says that Jesus is, is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, before time began, God already had a plan. God already had a plan of salvation. Before time began, God already had you in his mind. The day you were born, God did not freak out. He didn't freak out. So God is saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, before you were born, I already had a plan. 
In other words, the things that I'm calling you to do not depend on any of the things that have to do with your past. Because your real past is your is eternity. You are coming from me. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever will believe him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Eternity is outside of time. Time is a bracket that God opened at a certain period and which is going to close. The Bible speaks about the end of the, the last day. Sometimes the Bible uses the words the end of time. So you and I are between, we are between this bracket. So when God, when Jeremiah was born, God was saying to Jeremiah, listen, your past doesn't mean anything. There is nothing from your past that will challenge what I've already decided since eternity. Because your real, your real past started in me. Because before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you said yes to Jesus, Jesus was already the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. It is not your faith that makes him God. He was already God before we decided to worship him. So whether you worship or not, he remains God. What a privilege it is for us to know him. In fact, our, our future in Christ have already preceded our past. Because our past, that's why I love the song that says, is our past, is our future, is our present. I wrote a song about that. The song says, you are my alpha, you are my omega, you are my beginning and my end. God says to John, John is this disciple that was the closest to Christ. So many miracles. He saw Jesus in his glory. And he's spending almost the last days. Many, some people, some commentators say that when John wrote Revelations, many other apostles were already killed. So he was almost like in his last period. Perhaps he was under persecution. I'm not pretty sure. But he's in this place, the Isle of Patmos. You know, I think, um, if, I, if I can try to create some kind of drama around it, I would have said, well, this adventure when we said yes to this Jesus, did it mean that we're going to die like animals? If you read stories about how apostles were killed, it's very traumatic. In his, the very last days of his life, he has this encounter of Jesus, but now he sees Jesus in his glory. He sees Jesus sitting on the throne. He sees Jesus glorified in Revelations 1. When he sees him, he, Jesus says to him, do not mourn, do not cry. He says, I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. In other words, the adventure I started with you, I'm going to complete it. John, do not mourn. It is not done yet. And in fact, history started with me. I launched it because I'm the creator. And I'm going to finish that which I have started. 
John, do not cry. Could it be that sometimes you sit in your own room, you start crying. Just because you do not have a picture of God as actually the one that was before you were born. That is while you are here and that is to come. That your, your destiny in Christ is beyond this little bracket that is open. You are just part of this adventure of God. The Lord is not that. I feel God is saying to someone, do not give up because I'm not done with you. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. Do not give up. There is a very, before you were born, I knew you. You were already in me. So none of the things you are facing will nullify that which I've already established in eternity. The second thing that I'm wanting to suggest to you, beside walking in the revelation of eternity, is believing in Christ Jesus as the substitution of your past. Jesus is your past. The scripture says, let's read in 2 Corinthians 5. Let's go from verse 16 to verse 18. So love this scripture. Corinthians 5:16 Wherefore henceforth know we no man after flesh Therefore, from now on, <laughs> henceforth, not whither. <laughs> Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer, or so no longer. And I continue. Go to the next verse. Yeah. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. What's my first day? Hey, you want to really stand for me? Great. Maybe that side. Great. All the way next to him. Just repeat again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Your one is. He is a new creation. He 
is a new creation, not an upgraded creation, but a new creation. In other words, made from a brand new substance. All right? All things have passed away. All things have passed away. That means even his past, he's got a new past now. Right? He's got a new past now. Right? Behold, all things have become new. You have a new story because you were born again in Christ. Bible says it is in him that we live. It is in him that we move, that we have our being. Therefore, Christ has made you part of a new family, part of a new tribe, the tribe of Judah. You are part of a new family in your reference, even if you had a father who was a gangster. Even if you had a father who murdered people, even if you had a father who did not love anyone, Christ decides to father you. Christ decides to stand behind you and, and, and be now your ancestor and be now your father. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, in Galatians 3, he is the seed of Abraham, he is the son of Abraham. In other words, every blessing spoken to Abraham becomes yours through Christ Jesus. In, the, in other words, in the same exact way God answered the prayer of Jesus, God will now answer your prayer. Jesus in his prayer in John, the last prayer he was making, as a, in his priesthood our prayer, uh, prayer, he was saying, you love me as much as you love them. The same glory you gave to me, you also gave to them. We are co-heir with him. We carry the same DNA with Christ. The same spirit that rose him from the dead lives inside of us. The same spirit by which he ministered and he prayed for the sick lives inside of us. Why? Now we do have a new father. We do have a new father. That is why in the book of Acts, when you read, when the Spirit of God came, they loved one another as one. They loved one another as one. Because they understood they had the same root, Christ Jesus. One of the prophecies about Jesus in Isaiah, Jesus is introduced as the, as the seed of Jesse. As the branch, as this new branch, Christ decides to be your root. That should be the reference from where you should think from, where you should pray from. And it is that which Christ did on the cross 
that overcame your past. Christ now has become your past. He's your present and he's your future. He is the one who was, who he is, and who will be. Eternity. What is our destiny? We have been predestined to be conformed to his image. You, you're welcome to say it. Thanks. Thanks, brother. I love the scripture in 2 Corinthians 3, 18. The Bible says, we are beholding his glory like in a mirror. And we are being transformed into the same image. This is my understanding of it. You might disagree with me, it's fine. My understanding of that, of that particular portion is that when we behold the glory mirror, all right, the glory mirror, when we, when we are beholding the glory of the Lord like in a mirror, I believe what we see, we don't see ourselves, we see Christ. And we are being transformed into the image of Christ that we see. So when we see Christ, then we, then we say, this is who I am. This is me. This is me. We don't see ourselves. We see Christ in the glory mirror. Because the glory mirror is the word of God. It's the word of God. Every single thing in the word of God, in the Bible, from Genesis 1 up to Revelation, is about Christ. Every single thing testifies of Christ. When we look at the mirror, the glory mirror, we do not see ourselves. Because if I see myself on the mirror, I will still see my sin. But when I'm seeing Christ, I can see that's my destiny. That's our destiny. That's the favor that overcomes of the past. In Romans 11, from verse 17 up to verse 18, the Apostle Paul speaks of how we've been grafted. We have been grafted. Maybe you can read for us. And if some of the branches be broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted into them, among them, and with them partake of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if you boast, you boast not in the root, but the root in you. Paul, Paul is basically speaking to the Gentiles on how we've been grafted into the promises that was made to Israel. He's using the analogy of a, a wild olive. And he's saying we've been grafted to this new tree. In other words, the roots, we have now new roots. If you were cursed in your roots, even if there was... That's why I don't like to preach a lot about generational curse and stuff. Because when you're in Christ... You are part of Christ's family. Every curse is broken. What you need to learn to believe is that now your Christ is your root. All things have become new. Galatians 3, verse 13, up to verse 14. Sorry, you guys are reading. Well done. You are reading so well. 13 up to 14. Maybe Louis will read. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become the curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. 
that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I'm wanting to say to all of us, to even, maybe it might sound that you probably need to hear this, you are not cursed. You are not cursed. Stop being busy with the devil 24-7. You're not cursed. You are not cursed. You are blessed in Christ Jesus from all kinds of blessings in the heavenly places. Because now Christ is your root. KG, please play keys for me. I need to sing this. I would like you to believe these words that I'm going to be singing. Because the thing is, what is your responsibility? You're going to have to choose to believe in his word. We need, we need to decide, are we Christians or are we not Christians? I mean, we need to decide whether we want to follow Christ or we don't want to follow Christ and believe in him. None of the disciples sat with Jesus and argued about following him. Their entire life was changed with this little phrase, follow me. If you can just put the lyrics for me. You can also switch off the lights, the main lights. I would like you to, to please stand where you are. I believe tonight Christ wants all of us to walk in his freedom. Edward, if you don't mind, you can just take this desk to the back. Look at what the song says. You are my heart for my Omega, my beginning, you're my hand, you are my story, storyteller, and your hand, Lord, is my umbrella. I sat in my room, I was thinking about these things, thinking of my life. Think about what's happening in my country. Think about what's happening in my continent. And I said again with scriptures. What do I choose to believe? CNN? SABC? Or will I choose to believe the word? Yes, I was born in Congo. But my life did not start in Congo. My life started in Christ. Yes, you were born wherever you were born. No matter how the context of your birth was. Christ is saying, just as he was saying to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. The plans that I established, the plans that I had, I, I made sure they were already established. In fact, you see, the way God does it, Johannes, please, I don't mind, if you don't mind, just can just come. Send that side. 
Tapiwa, you can stand here. Yeah, that side, very much on the corner there. What I believe God does, no, like very closer to the pallet stay. Yeah, awesome. What I believe, stand this way, look at him. Awesome. What I believe when God calls you is before you were born, before Tapiwa was born, God had already invested things and stuff and everything, plans and everything. He planned everything. You just need to encounter him being born again. And what God does is, when he's saying, before you were born, I knew you. In other words, if that is your journey until the day you will go, God has already walked through the entire journey. He has already walked. He has already overcome every single Amalekite and every single enemy. That is why God, Jesus, is introduced as the good shepherd. The shepherd doesn't sit behind the sheep. The shepherd is always in front. And they follow him. The only voice that takes you to the back is the devil's voice. That will remind you of the sin you made 15 years ago. Because God is already waiting for you this side. And he's saying, come and join me. Where I'm already taking you. He has already finished. He has already overcome. When God called the Israelites to the promised land, he already was waiting for them right there. Unfortunately, some of them were still thinking of the onions and the garlic and the pizza. And they couldn't behold the future because the future was in, in God. If you read in Deuteronomy, when God speaks to Israelite, he said, didn't you see what I did with the Egyptians? I took you on my wings and I brought you to myself. The entire narrative of the Israelite going to the promised land was about them connecting with the heart of God. It wasn't just about getting the milk and honey. God was already waiting for them for worship. For worship. Worship. That's the highest activity God has called you to. To be intimate with the Father. To be intimate with Him. Choosing to believe in Him as your Father. Jesus, when He spoke of worship, He contextualized it in the family. He says, the time has come where true worshippers will worship who? The Father. You only found the Father in a family context. Worship is a family matter. Worship, it's about where your heart belongs. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter which ethnic group you come from. You are primarily a spirit. This body of you, one day will go to the dust. But that inner part of you, that's the part that needs to decide today to make a commitment to Christ. Everything that we see is temporary. It's temporary. Success. There are people who, 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 you know, there are people with degrees and companies and everything. They've lost their lives. The Bible says, what will serve a man to win the entire world and, and, lose, and lose his soul? But God is saying, I am your alpha. In other words, I am the starting point. But this starting point does not have a dot where it started. It's an infinite starting. And it's also an ending which does not have a time, which is not connected to a time 
because it's eternity. I would love us to sing with faith, with faith, this song that the Lord gave me while I was worshiping. And it's a song we're going to do with Nations Band on the Nations Day. It's actually a salsa song. But we're trying to make it more, a little bit mellow to make it easy for you guys to sing. <laughs> Let's sing again. You are my heart for my Omega. Let's lift our hands to Him. My beginning. We love you, Lord. You're my hand. You are my story. It's more real. Storyteller. And your hand, Lord, is my umbrella. 